This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hey, Stackers, we got a great Rewind episode for you on deck. But first, I'm going to be in Traverse City, Michigan next Wednesday. That is the 5th of July. And I'm going to uh, organize a meetup. So if you want to join me at uh, Seven Monks Tap Room, that is at 128 South Union Street in Traverse City. Uh, We will be there. So drop by, or better yet, email me so I know that you're coming, joe at stackybedjamins.com or hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, wherever. Love to see uh, as many stackers out there as, as possible. We've had a few meetups where we've had, you know, two of us, three of us, four of us, whatever. However many it ends up being, we'll just have a good time. Let's make it at 6 o'clock. How about that? So 6 o'clock, 7 Monks Tap Room, 128 South Union Street, Traverse City, Michigan, uh, July 5th. All right, guys, let's get to the episode. Pre-recorded from Joe's mom's basement, it's a rewind episode of the Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey everyone, I'm Griffin the Intern, or as the ladies that the Sizzler call me, the Fintern. Joe and OG are off somewhere doing something, Joe told me, but Joe's mom came down and dropped off a Hunt snack pack with, get this, 24 chocolate pudding cups. It had a note on it saying that today is National Chocolate Pudding Day. That's fine, but I know it's just because she feels bad for me being down here alone. Yep, I just love chocolate pudding. I'm going to enjoy this while I throw on an episode from June 13th, 2016 with former U.S. News & World Report editor and author Kimberly Palmer. She shares lots of tips on juggling work, family, and building up your pile of Benjamins. Here's an idea. Why don't you join me and grab your own pudding cup to eat while you listen? Remember, disregard any investment info or giveaway mentions because this episode was from roughly a year ago. Enjoy! My gosh, you boys already know. I'm not letting that Ramsey boy come over and play until you clean up your rooms. 
Because what's a Monday without mom's bacon and eggs and stacking Benjamins? Hey everyone, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and what a Monday it is. You know what I just realized? Joe's mom is definitely the smartest person in this house. I mean, while she's chirping away happily upstairs, Joe's howling on about more oil on the shortwave. And who the hell uses a shortwave? And OG's already on his third foamy adult beverage today. Now I know why she makes these guys stay in the basement. Speaking of moms, on today's amazing Monday show, author of Smart Mom, Rich Mom, Kimberly Palmer. Also, TV host John Oliver in the news, a quota hotline call from Jamie about charitable giving, a letter about adult toys, we get the greatest mail, and a gratuitous Dave Ramsey mention. And here they are, two guys who together Joe's mom calls nearly half a brain, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. two-thirds of that. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> I need you do it. I love that I got to talk first this time. It's like the uh, the poll when you ask the average person, are they above average or below average? And most people say, I'm above average. Did you see that thing about the United States, about how we, we score highest on confidence, about how we're, we're, <laughs> we're more successful than everybody else in the United States? Yeah. Yes. Hey, everybody. I'm Joe Salci. I average Joe Money on Twitter. And across this rickety card table from me, Today, since Mamez is cooped up in the basement, the one and only other guyers, we call him OG. It is I. Hey, so you are back. Congratulations. We haven't been able to talk. I, we told everybody on Wednesday when Doug Goldstein sat in for you that on Monday, you and I were pretending that we knew you had a daughter, uh, but the daughter wasn't really born yet. And we didn't right. expect we didn't expect to have to uh, come clean with that little, uh, I guess, fib would be the right word. But when you've got Doug Goldstein sitting in for you, probably... We've got to explain that uh, you were at the hospital that day. I was at the hospital that day. Yes. That, was a, that was a long day. And uh, Mrs. OG is fine. Baby's great. Yes, everybody is A-OK. Although I must say that yesterday was the first kind of tough sleep night. <laughs> so I might be off my A game. I got to be honest. I, well, it, well, that's two of us because I just got back from France and I wake up every day at 3 a.m. ready to go. Just, it's amazing. Went to bed last night at 11, 3 a.m. Bam. Hey, huh. it is. Okay. Well, it is. you should call me because I'm also up at 3 a.m. usually. Perfect. <laughs> I'm watching my 14th Sports Center. Well, in the Green Room Facebook group, everybody wants to know how many diapers you've changed so far. In all honesty, it is under five. But it's more than zero. Yeah. No, I mean, we got to be honest. It wasn't going to be zero. But for a kid that's two years old and goes through, or I'm two years old. Damn, what? Time, time flies when you haven't had any sleep. Well, um, two and weeks old and some change. You know, burning through eight to ten diapers a day. You might have changed you know, a couple. I, I mean, I am infinitesimally in fact it even now it's it's even now i don't even have to like talk about not doing it it's just assumed that i don't do it you know how you get all that money back that you're spending on diapers og he had to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money because the average person who goes there saves 450 dollars on their financial products whether it's your checking account your savings account or your overall debt strategy magnify money compares the best and the brightest across the industry this is this is very cool news out of magnify money our friend 
Mandy Woodruff. Mandy's been on the show before. Mandy is now editor of their blog. So congratulations to Mandy Woodruff, uh, formerly of uh, Yahoo Finance. And now from Yahoo, she moves over to Magnify Money. Nick, Ste- Nick Steele and all the good talent, OG. Yay. Yeah. I, I, think, I think we should have an applause track in there or something. We should. We not? Steve, cue the applause. Thank you. So head to stackybenchments.com forward slash magnify money to save 450 bucks. What is that? Is that like $450 that like three days worth of diapers? No, but it is really amazing to me how, how much those things are. It's just, I mean, it is miserable. (laughs) And if you're, if you're looking to score better rates on your big loans, what you'll find at Magnify Money is that SoFi is the leader in marketplace lending. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SOFI, whether it's your student loans, your personal loans, or those mortgages that you have on your houses. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SOFI. If you use our link, uh, they throw in an extra hundred bucks. How about that? So $550 plus a bunch of money saved on interest plus a lot of money on fees, OG pretty good deal it's fun to have a little extra folding money in your pocket kimberly palmer coming up you know mom's the smartest woman in this house but one of the smartest women we've had on this podcast is kimberly palmer Uh, she's got a new book releasing today coming out today smart mom rich mom how to build wealth while raising a family and and obviously og i thought of this and you because this isn't really just about moms right building wealth and having a family at the same time you've got three kids maybe this maybe this is for you now I have three kids. Yeah, there it is. You're juggling everything. So I'm the one that makes the average person in America have 0.5 kids. <laughs> That's me. I take care of that extra half a kid. You got it handled. Hey, we got the headlines handled. Let's move. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show. Our stacking Benjamin's headlines. First headline comes to us from the New York Times. Familiar with that publication? Oh, yeah, I love it. Read it every day. That is a big one. Uh, That's what she said. For his latest trick, John Oliver forgives $15 million in medical debt. Of course, John Oliver, the comedian who does uh, the popular HBO show. So John Oliver spent $60,000 to go out. He formed a company. Guess how much money it cost him to form a company that would go buy debt? $60,000? It cost him $50 to form the company. Oh, okay. So for 50 bucks, he formed a debt company. He bought a bunch of debt so he could harass people that were in debt, right? Because this is what companies do. His, his whole point was that, look at how easy it is to get into this business of buying debt. Then, uh-huh. then he spent $60,000 to buy $15 million worth of debt. Now, what he could have done at that point, and what most companies do, is they go harass people, Right. They go, right. they go harass people about the debt. They buy it and they harass them. I remember the days, there was the year that we've talked about a lot on the show where I didn't make any money. I had my debt sold three times during that year because as people may know, I was in bad, bad, bad debt way back then. And uh, I had it sold three times. I could not figure out who the person was that I had paid like three people ago. They sold the debt after I already paid them. Mm. And I couldn't figure out which loan agency I had paid and they never sent me a letter, which was my problem at the time. I was young and stupid. I ended up, by the way, tracking them down. I got the letter. I had to send that letter to another three different collection agencies because after, 
after I sent them the proof that the debt was paid, they still sold the loan to somebody else. They still sold it to somebody else. I've got a new business idea. I didn't realize it was only $60,000 to buy $15 million worth of debt. Well, of course, what John Oliver did then was he forgave it all, right? So he did the whole- Yeah, Oprah, I wouldn't do that part. The whole Oprah, everybody gets a car. <laughs> but but the, the point that John Oliver had, which was interesting, it was a different point than I think you and I are going to have, OG. The point was, look at how unregulated this whole business is and, sure. that, and that we should have more oversight in that business. That's fine. But you and I- are about are, are not about government oversight. That's fine. That is outside of my personal jurisdiction. My personal jurisdiction, if I have anybody listening to the show, is I need to make sure that my financial house is in order so that the chance of that happening to me is minimized. Because even if there's government oversight, this whole idea of owing people is just, it's a black hole, man. And it just, it just sucks. Because when you take out the, the loan, you feel all right. You feel pretty good. But but later on, when it's time for you to pay the piper and you're paying them all this interest on top of it, that's, that's not a place. Oh, I mean, I just, I, we've lived in our house for a year. We moved one year ago. I just made my 12th mortgage payment because, you know, they're nice enough to give you that first like 15 days for free. Like How'd you new, like, new house smell. How'd you, know? you like squatting in your new house for 15 days? Yeah, it was awesome. And I, and I made a comment to Mrs. OG. I said, hey, we just made our 12th payment. And she goes, oh, okay. And then I did the math and I said, so the total amount of payments that we've made has been X. And then I said, of that, this amount went to escrow and then this amount went to principal, right? And she's like, oh, it's going to take forever. And I said, no, no, only 29 more years. (laughs) We're good. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere around my give or take uh, 70th birthday. 130th birthday, right? No, not 70th. 60th, right? I, I can't do math. <laughs> Forget it. I'm done. I'm checking out. I'm not in the math department. No. Sorry. No, d- d- just look at you. Your eyes are like half closed. No yeah. wonder you're on your third beverage. I'm feeling like, a little sluggish today. Like d- Doug talked about. Well, between the beverages and the uh, and the baby. But but I think we're on like, uh, like a little personal responsibility. See, there's a balancing act that I have with this whole, you know, getting into debt thing, right? Like I think that it's okay that bad things happen to good people. I don't think that it's okay that it happens. I think that there's reasonable things that can happen that cause good people to have just crappy luck, you know? Well, and, in, and in this case, by the way, that's largely the case. This was medical debt that he bought. And you know, you've met with some people that have medical issues that there's, you know. Let me tell you, this, this is no joke. I'm not exaggerating this at all. Have the baby at 3.16 a.m., Okay. Two hours later, everybody's good. Everybody checks out. Okay. About seven o'clock in the morning, I said, I'm going to go home so I can wake the kids up and tell them that they had the sister, that their sister was born. Go home, wake the kids up. They're getting ready for school, get them to school. I go back to the hospital. So all, you know, about an hour later. So I was back at the hospital, maybe about eight 30 or so moved Mrs. OG from delivery to recovery during that time. And I walked in, I sat down, I went, huh, new room. Okay. In walks a gal with a cart and a computer. She goes, hello, congratulations, everybody. You know, I'm Carolyn or whatever her name was. Right. And I'm here from billing. So here's your bill approximately. And we just need to collect like about a thousand of that right now. So baby born at three sixteen AM somewhere between eight and 9 AM. The billing person was there to get a credit card for the first thousand dollars. I was blown away 
you know, I, I was just like, really? Like, shouldn't we have like a few extra seconds to yeah. at least eat some crappy hospital food before you shove a $6,000 bill down my throat? And I understand, you know, what John Oliver's talking about, but still my point, it, having a baby's not just all berry white and a uh, little bit of wine. <laughs> you know, it's it's not just a that. whole lot of wine. <laughs> Jaeger. And, a, and then a lot of whining afterward. <laughs> Why did you do this to me? I hate you. Uh, but, but those are, those are costs that, that it, it sucks, but you got to think about some of those costs ahead of time. Yeah. Medical debt is really tough. It, despite significant evidence to the contrary, there is a small little squishy part in my soul that is for people that get into rough spots, you know? Sure. So, Cause you can't always predict, you know, you get a car accident or you out of work for a period of time or something. You know, I mean, that's just, but for that one person, there's five people that should have thought about it. Let me, let me give you another example. I'm listening to a podcast that I, I, uh, is on my playlist called startup. It's about companies starting up. These guys have a business that's failing. This is the current episode out right now. Business that's failing, right? The business is within, uh, probably within a month of going under. Everybody knows it. The business has been going under for about a year. This guy and his spouse are in the process of moving from an apartment. They casually mention it, OG, in the episode. And on the money that he's making, they've been able to save up enough money for a down payment for a house. I'm like, All 3% of that down payment? Wait a minute. You're going to take on this massive house debt and your business is clearly going to – you know you're, you're on a podcast talking about how your business is going to fail and you're buying a brand new house. You're moving from your apartment to a house right now. Yeah. Like like that's the kind of stuff that drives – That's self-inflicted. That, oh. that deserves no savior whatsoever. Yeah, this same company, by the way, these guys uh, raised a bunch of money in their venture capital round and then – they were surprised when they were losing way more money. They had an accountant and the accountant would give them their burn rate. And they were surprised when they found out that they were losing way more money than they thought. And I'm like, really? I'm, I'm doing my, my morning run. And I'm thinking, you, you own a business and you're surprised when you get the number from somebody else. Like your first job when you own a business. And everybody, I guess my point is, is that everybody, each of us owns a business. And whether it's looking at your insurances, right? Because that can, that can help you with some of your medical issues. Yeah. Uh, looking at your insurances, knowing where the holes are there, building your cash reserve, keeping your other debts low so that you have resources to go to, even you know, bad resources like open credit, crappy resource. Steve's screaming right now going, open credit's not a resource, <laughs> but, but, but you get the point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You got to have some responsibility in there. Yeah. By the way, congratulations to John Oliver for doing that. That that was like of all the publicity stunts that you can do, OG, what a publicity stunt to draw attention to uh, that article. He, you know, $15 million worth of debt. He buys it for 60 grand. And of course that's nothing for those guys. Now for us, sixty grand, that's it's like about a good what eight, have. ten years worth of podcasts. That's what I was gonna say. Amazon spending. <laughs> do you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna come on and say, We bought six hundred dollars worth of debt for five bucks. And now we are collecting the heck out of it. Right. <laughs> Our next article is uh one equally uh, as cynical that we're equally cynical about, but in a different spot. This comes from financialplanning.com. JP Morgan, you know the big brokerage house, OG? I have heard of them. How about this one? CEO Jamie Dimon says, quote, we'll give a free robo to our best clients. 
J- yeah. JP Morgan Chase can give value clients a free for, are you sitting down? It's free. Automated investment service or a checking account that comes with no-cost brokerage trades as part of a future bundle of digital banking products, Chief Executive Officer Jamie Dimon said. Quote, when you talk about robo and investing, well, we can do that and give it away for free if we want, Dimon said Thursday during investor presentation in New York. If you're a good account, it's no different than Jeff Bezos doing the $99 Prime and adding services to it. So you're always making the client satisfied. Uh <laughs> You're not getting those services for free. I don't know if, if I'm going to break it to you. If Jamie Dimon, CEO at J.P. Morgan, thinks you're a, quote, good client, you're not getting those for free. You're paying. Right. You're paying. Like, that, like the dude who said that the vice president of the company flew in from Tulsa for free to right. sell this annuity. Right? Yes. <laughs> you paid for that flight. Oh, and then some. And then some. It reminds me of this, uh, this movie that you probably saw a little bit of. All right, you want to talk about guarantees, then here's the way I see it, Ted. Dad puts a fancy guarantee in a box because he wants you to feel all warm and toasty inside. Yeah, makes a man feel good. Of course it does. Why shouldn't it? You figure you put that little box under your pillow at night, the guarantee fairy might come by and leave a quarter. Am I right, Ted? <laughs> What's your point? The point is, how do you know the fairy isn't a crazy glue sniffer? Building model airplanes, says the little fairy. Well, we're not buying it. If he sneaks into your house once, that's all it takes. Next thing you know, there's money missing off the dresser and your daughter's knocked up. I've seen it a hundred times. But why do they put a guarantee on the box then? Because they know all they sold you was a guaranteed piece of shit. That's all it is, isn't it? Hey, if you want me to take a dump in a box and mark it guaranteed, I will. I got spare time. But for now, for your customer's sake, for your daughter's sake, you might want to think about buying a quality product from me. (laughs) Is that Tommy Boy? That is Tommy Boy. (laughs) Uh, it's like Jamie Dimon. Oh, no, I guarantee this thing's awesome. It's free. It's free. So there's two messages here. Number one, if you're working with J.P. Morgan Chase, and, and by the way, not a knock on J.P. Morgan Chase because they have some. They I have love some, their credit cards. Well, <laughs> they have some. Good, they love me. They, they have some good people that work there. They have some yeah. f- fine advisors, but they are not known as cheap. They are not. They are not cheap. They're not giving away stuff no, for free. No, you are not getting anything for free. But the other news is. What's it say about robos, right? We've talked about the big houses are coming, right? The big houses are coming to robo world. And look at that. You want a robo? We'll sell you a robo. I don't care. And guess yeah. what? We're just going to, we're just going to throw it in for free. That's what we think about robos. Yeah. We're just going to throw exactly. it in the box. Well, and I think that you're going to find that all of that house of cards will come collapsing during the next correction. We've, we've started seeing it already interesting stuff as the robos go from defiant to well maybe we'll work with the big houses to, to the big houses saying we'll throw in a robo for free because we don't care i mean it's it's changing quickly man mm-hmm. uh i think that the uh lessons are number one if you're relying on a robo for your investment advice a robo is fine for diversification og but in terms of your overall financial plan robot still ain't taking away a job from a good financial planner yeah, or not at all. From, or from you just being smart about your money. I mean, either way. Number two, number two is if you are thinking about just uh, buying a house and your job's going away, you got to think about your money as if you're the CEO, man. Own your own future. Amen, right? brother. A lot of people.
people listening to this show, man, juggling, juggling family responsibilities, a job, trying to manage their money. That's a, there's only so many hours in the day. You've, you've shown me a lot of these things about, look at how much time you actually have, right? After sleeping, the job, everything else, Mm -hmm. you don't have a lot of time for good money management. Are you talking about that article, that wait, but why? Yeah. Article? Yeah, that was kind of interesting, wasn't it? Kind of puts it in perspective. Yeah, your whole life. Like how many, just how many holidays you're going to have the rest of your life. Yeah, there's... How many times you're going to do do different things in your life. Well, Kimberly Palmer is somebody who has gone from being single to having a family. And uh, she's the author of The Economy of You. That's when she was on last time, talking about relying on yourself and your own personal economy. Discover your inner entrepreneur and recession-proof your life. She also, of course, for nine years was senior money editor at U.S. News and World Report. She's an adjunct professor at American University, where she teaches a course on mastering social media. And uh, she has a family for, and now she's here to talk about building wealth and raising a family at the same time. Kimberly Palmer. Can't wait to listen to this. Yeah, coming down to the basement. Kimberly Palmer joins me in the basement. Welcome back. Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me. You are cranking out books like nobody's business. What's the deal? <laughs> I just love writing them. Yeah, I just, I feel like it's like for each life stage, I need a new book. So that's what well, I do. Right. That's exactly it because you're juggling a lot here. I remember when I was a financial advisor, people be great savers, right? Everything's going awesome in their life. And then they'd hit this brick wall because the stork started bringing along kids how, oh, yeah. how is somebody a mom and building wealth at the same time? Oh my gosh. Kids basically change everything. I was going to say ruin, but that is a change. Right, right. Um, but you know, it's funny not to cut you off, but, but as a parent, I would say ruin. It's, it's the parents <laughs> that get that you're joking. Have you ever done that with your friends that don't have kids? You joke about <laughs> stuff. You're like, oh, go ahead. Let him put his finger in the light socket. He'll learn. And, and like all the parents start laughing. All the non-parents are, are thinking, man, you're cruel. Yeah, no, I know. It's like, no, I really love them. I promise. Right, right. right. <laughs> but yeah, so basically, I mean, it's like, I, the, at least how I felt when I brought home my my daughter like six years ago, I was like, okay, there's so much more pressure now to build security. Like I want to make sure I can always feed her and have a house for her or a home for her. And at the same time, it's so crazy expensive. I mean, it's just all of a sudden my credit card bills, I think more than doubled because yeah. between, yeah, like diapers and food and everything and then childcare on top of everything else. So it's really hard to figure all that out. I think for me, the grocery piece was the piece that I really didn't expect to go up as much as it did. What, what was the biggest shocker for you? I think it's all of the like extras. So I feel like every, literally every day I have to make another purchase on Amazon for like new baby sunscreen or, um, you know, a school, like I just, the teacher actually just sent a note saying we need, everyone needs to have a binder for next week. So it's like every day there's like a new product I need to purchase related to my children, which of course I am more than happy to do, but it just, it adds up. But personally for you, besides the expenses going up, what else changed? I think the earning piece, I mean, I think this happens to a lot of moms, but it was like all of the sudden I still felt ambitious, but in a different way because I wanted to make sure I was 
you know, spending a lot of time, of course, with my babies. Um, I mean, now I have two. And I, so I felt this sudden competing goals of like maximizing my time with my kids, but also wanting to, you know, still have a career. So for me, it was balancing those two things and then throwing in there, just, I was, became more kind of future oriented. I was like, wow, we need to start saving for college too, but also retirement. So suddenly I had a bigger, bigger thing I needed to be saving for also. Which is a, an issue for a lot of moms because a lot of us are stu- stuck in right now land. Yeah. Uh, we, we're not thinking at all about the future. And if we don't do it today, it's going to be a big problem. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And so it kind of drives that home. Having kids kind of drives that home. And I mean, it's so hard to squeeze out that extra money if you can find any, but I I hadn't actually started saving for college before I did my research for this book. And then I just realized that I have to start because (laughs) if you keep putting it off, I mean, you're, they're going to be 17 and you're going to, you know, be in trouble. I know OG did some work on that in our show, Kimberly, and he, if you want to pay for all of in-state college tuition from the time that Junior's born, really saving $250 a month mm-hmm. from from zero on might be enough, might not be. $250 a month, that's crazy. Yeah, I love that analysis that really figures out the number for you. I actually used uh, Ron Lieber at the New York Times. Oh, yeah, this- right. Yeah, he did this analysis with Vanguard and the number he came up with. And I think he was looking at actually private school tuition. So that could explain the difference. He said you have to save 500 a month for, for each kid. Uh, should I have mom bring us down some beers? Oh, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> we won't solve the problem, but we will have more fun doing it. When when you talked about earnings earlier on, I want to get back to that because there's this big issue that a lot of moms have that you know very well about and address in the book, this idea of the earning penalty, right? And when, yeah. you t- when a mom decides to take time out of the office, I mean, that affects everything financially. What did you come up with there? Tell me about what strategies you have there. So this is just endlessly fascinating and controversial. And I'm I'm almost still afraid to talk about this issue publicly because people have such strong opinions on it. Uh, so I interviewed moms that I basically put into three, I organized around three different approaches. One is the traditional work approach. And this is of course the one that I chose where you're still, you're, you're still kind of engaging in that nine to five type work where you, you know, pay for childcare and that you're still going on a career ladder that way. The and, middle- and wait a minute, before we move on, because I just want to talk about these as you're bringing them up. I think that what people say about that, like the naysayers there say, well, then you're not spending enough time with your kids, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. The guilt is insane. Right. Yeah. So much good. And so what I, what I really found the, a strategy for handling that is that when you're, when you're, if you're switching jobs, that's when you have the most power to negotiate for what you want. So you need to negotiate not just for your salary, but as soon as you have that nailed down, negotiating for the flexibility you need, because uh. maybe it's, maybe it's leaving at five every day. Maybe it's working from home one or two days a week, whatever it is, that's going to make it work for your family. That's when you have the power to do it. And you really need to, you know, embrace that because you also are, you know, a great employee and you're contributing a lot. So they want to make sure to keep you happy too. Yeah. Employers are way more open to that than they were even like five years ago, aren't they? Absolutely. I mean, I think this is where we, this generation of moms, we're, we're pretty lucky because the moms that went before us on this road, you know, they now many of them are our bosses and they remember what it was like. Right. And so I think it's a lot easier for us than it used to be. What's the second group? 
So the second group is the entrepreneurial moms. So, you know, stepping out of that traditional work environment into something that you design yourself. And I was so inspired interviewing these moms because they basically had all kinds of ideas, sometimes related to motherhood or kids and sometimes not, but it basically meant they could set their own schedule. I mean, they're their own boss. So a lot of them use online platforms to uh, having a big media presence, website, blog, social media to you know find new clients and customers. So this was a really kind of innovative group of moms that were coming up with ideas for the marketplace and you know making money that way. Those people already have flexibility. What are the naysayers saying about that group? Um, well, I mean, in some ways, it's kind of the best of both worlds right. if you can make it work. So I think that the challenge there for that group of moms is finding the right idea and actually having an idea that works because, you know, you don't want to just be, you know, having a business that's flailing or, you know, isn't bringing you income or satisfaction. Because those people are more likely to get so sucked into the business vortex, I think, that they, even though they're at home with baby, right? Uh, yeah. ba baby's not getting any attention because the business needs a lot of love. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that can be really hard too. Yeah. Right. And then the third group, so the third group are, now this is the area where even the name you use can bring up, it's like a third rail. <laughs> so either stay-at-home moms, full-time moms, whatever you want to uh, call it, yeah. moms who step out of the workforce, often temporarily, to be to be at home with their kids, but then, you know, leaving the door open to returning to work one day. And so what I found with this group is that what can really be a useful strategy is staying engaged, either taking on contract or freelance work so you're still in your industry, or just maintaining a presence on social media, in-person networking. So you're basically making it easier for you in the future when you do want to go back to work, you know, if that happens when your kids leave the nest or go to high school or middle school, whenever it is. Is that to kind of just fill in the resume so that a future employer who doesn't understand anything uh, doesn't see this gap? Yeah. I mean, the gap can actually be a problem. And so you need to have a way of explaining it, explaining maybe what volunteer activities or other engagement you did during that time to keep your skills relevant. Because, you know, when I interview moms now who are in their 50s and 60s, empty nesters who are going back to work, it's really hard if they can't suddenly step back into the workplace environment where the culture is different, the technology is different. So staying up to date on all those things can make it a lot easier to get back in. How old were you when you had your daughter? I was 29. Okay. Cheryl was 25 when she had our twins. You did some work on that though. And this is great, by the way, for people that are maybe planning a family for the future. They don't have kids yet and they're listening to this. You did a, some study based on like financially when the right time is to have kids. When is that? <laughs> so this is really dependent on your field. And what I think is so interesting is that while it's true that in general, the longer we wait to have kids, the less of an impact it has our, on our income. So in other words, the, the longer you wait, then you're going to still be earning more income because you've invested that time early in your career. You've moved up the whole Sheryl Sandberg lean in concept. Right. But what I think is interesting, what I think less people know about is that for some fields, the really training heavy fields where you're in school through most of your 20s, uh, maybe includes grad school, things like lawyers and 
PhDs, it can actually be helpful financially to have your kids while you're still in school. Because as you know, those early years when they're babies and they're not sleeping and it's you know so physical and so hard, it can actually be easier to manage that when you are still in school. And then once you take on more responsibilities in the workplace, maybe you're managing people or traveling, they're a little bit older. They still need us, of course, but they're a little more independent. But then the income strain, the kids are going to feel it more. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, that's really hard. And I actually, I think about that because when I first became a mom, we were more much more constrained in terms of we were living in a one-bedroom apartment and, you know, childcare. I felt more limited in our options just because of what we could afford. So definitely waiting longer. You have some more flexibility if your income has gone up. Um, But, you know, there's pros and cons. And of course, I feel like I always need to add, like, we don't always choose when we have kids. Sometimes it takes way longer than we wanted or, you know, they come unexpectedly too. No, that's that's interesting. How much did you and in, in, in your and I don't know your relationship status. I'm uh, married. <laughs> okay. Did you and your husband, did you have a long talk about now's the time? Oh my gosh. You would not appreciate me talking about this. Um, I mean, kind of. Like I felt ready. Like we I w- we got married when I was 25. So we'd been married okay. for a while. And so, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it was all that planned <laughs> without going into too many okay. things, right. yeah. yeah, I mean, it, I wanted it for sure. We, we but because, and I asked that though, Kimberly, because Cheryl and I did, and I know sometimes, like you said, babies come at different times. For us, it was, we, we actually went through that exact conversation that you talked about. I was on the let's wait because we'll be financially secure. Cheryl actually looked at the difference in age between her parents who were older and my parents, my mom had me when she was 19. Um, and, and what's funny about with my parents that Cheryl pointed out was that when our kids got older, it would be more like the relationship with my parents where we would be closer to friends, you know, because I love Cheryl's parents, but they're in a whole different generation because they're so much older than we are. Yeah. That, that, that even though we have been friends with them and Cheryl's dad before he died, I felt like it was one of my best friends. I still feel like now I go over to my parents' house and and it's talking to people that are, you know, pretty darn close to my age. Completely. I actually... I think that's such an important point. And one thing I really appreciate is that you know, I think because, you know, my mom had me at a similar age to when I had my daughter. So my parents are are pretty, you know, they're young and in shape and like they have a lot of energy to take care of my children. Oh, that's so, a good point. Right. Yeah. I appreciate that every day that they are still at that time of life where they can, I mean, they can help me so much, really. What else surprises new moms? I know, I know you talk about insurance. Insurance and estate planning more generally is this topic that no one wants to talk about. It's so dismal. I actually, but at the same time, this is what my friends, like when we're out at like a girl's night, my friends will be like, hey, okay, I need to do this. How do I do this? Because it's like one of those topics you don't really want to talk about, but you have to make sure your husband and yourself has life insurance and that you've, you know, written out your will and appointed guardians for your kids. And it's, it's so, you know, unpleasant to think about and plan, but also so essential to your family's financial security. And, you know, if you don't do it and God forbid the worst thing happens, like you could be in total disarray, you know, emotionally and financially. So it's just one of those things you have to just plow through and get it done. I, uh, I can't tell you, I just can't describe how much better I felt once I had the right life insurance in place and we'd done our will. Like, like we walked out from doing our will. I, I was so shocked at how good I felt. Like it was really surprising. Yeah, that's awesome. I think it just, it's like a relief and a peace of right, mind. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. 
a lot of people just rely too on like legal Zoom or, you know, doing it really inexpensively. But I think this is one of those things where you want it locked down and you want to make sure yeah. that it's taken care of. So I think you might, you know, want to find a local lawyer and just make sure you have all your paperwork taken care of. I'm with you. I like the lawyer too, even though I totally recognize, like you just said, that it's more important just because that's the person that my family's probably going to be dealing with later. So yeah. I, so I want to, and if I don't have that person, even if I have the stuff done, they're going to go to a lawyer and, and I don't want them to go find somebody out of the phone book because who knows who that's going to be. For sure. Now, now, when it comes to expenses, so if somebody's trying to save, like how do we, how do we, now that we have all these expenses that you and I talked about earlier, how do we actually make our bank account bigger at the same time? <laughs> that is the challenge. The first thing to do when you're just attacking this whole topic is to get super organized so you can review all of your accounts easily. You can make sure when you check in, what I, I recommend at least once a quarter with your you know investment accounts for your savings account for college and retirement and just make it easier for you to make those little tweaks and rebalance and review your accounts so you can be slowly building wealth over time. But I mean, more directly to answer your question, I think a lot of times it comes down to doing two things. First, at the same time as you are making sure you're not wasting money and you're scaling back where it makes sense for your family, also potentially finding ways to earn more money. I think that it can be at least so useful just to pad your household income, even if it's a few hundred dollars a month. So looking for ways, I mean, of course we should always be trying to earn more in our full-time jobs, but that's not always an option. If you can, you know, launch something on the side or just find a way to bring in a little more wiggle room. Sometimes that money can then go directly towards savings or sometimes just to your household monthly budget. But it just, I think it can help kind of ease that stress because a lot of families, you know, are under so much financial strain and we just need a little wiggle room. Well, it's funny. The book Smart Mom, Rich Mom has so much packed into it. And I feel like we've talked about a bunch, Kimberly, but we've barely scratched the surface. Where can people get the book? Thank you so much. So you can get the book anywhere on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Of course, my website links to all that. My website is Kimberly-Palmer.com. Um, and I also, I love talking on Twitter too. I, I'm at Kimberly Palmer, just my name. So yeah, it's, it should be um, readily available everywhere. Isn't that exciting? Isn't it just great seeing your name on a book? Like every time you have a new one, isn't it just just weird all over again? Yes, it's the best. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for hanging out. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, trivia fans, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and over a hot cup of coffee that tasted maybe like Joe's mom added a little helper from a guy named Bailey's. I'm not going to get into that. Joe's mom and I were talking about this discussion with Kimberly Palmer. It got us thinking, what percentage of moms work outside the house? I'll have the answer and a second cup of coffee here in just a minute. Nice trivia question, man. You got the answer ready to go? Yeah, of course I do. Thanks. But somebody's got to be the pro around here. Wait a minute. Shouldn't you be doing the SoFi spot right now? Well, it's funny. I'm getting ready to do that right now, man. Hey, hey, I just thought of something. When you do it, remember to tell them that SoFi is the leading marketplace lender. Okay. Yep. Got it. And actually, also make sure that you say that they have these phenomenal rates on student loans and personal loans and, and mortgages. They do mortgages great. <laughs> Dude, I got it. Are you sure? Because like, I don't want you to forget that 
you get there by going to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SoFi. Tell them that. Tell them you get there by going to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash SoFi, and you got to spell it out for them. you got to say S-O-F-I, like really slow like that. All right, man. Why don't you just get the trivia ready, huh? All right. I'm, I'm going to, and, and they're going to love this answer. It, it's, it's really, really cool. But, but right now, now that I think about it, we also have to tell them about the magnify money people. So tell them to go to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money for their financial stuff too, right? Tell them that. We do that every, every show. No, you don't. Every show? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, you know, I don't, okay. Well, but anyway, just because I know that whether it's checking accounts or saving accounts or, or debt accounts, they've got like 90% of them rated. So make sure you tell them to go there because it's awesome. Have you ever, ever once listened to the show that you're on? No, I don't think that's relevant here. Well, I just really want to make sure that you got this because why should people settle for inferior personal finance products when like a trip to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money is so easy. It doesn't matter if I listen to the show. These people just need to know how awesome this product is. I got it. You're going to say all that, like all that stuff I just told you about SoFi and magnify money. You're going to say all of it. Why do I need to, man? You just did. Okay, let, let's uh, let's crank back up the trivia music. Hey, trivia fans, so much for getting a second cup of coffee. Instead, I'm going to give you the trivia answer. Here was the question. What percentage of moms work outside the home? The answer, 61%. Better yet, the percentage you say they're either happy or very happy is a whopping 81%. Me, I'm always happy when Joe's mom's happy, which means I'm headed to the store to get some more of her little helper, for this here coffee. Big thanks again to Kimberly Palmer for coming down to the basement. Smart mom, rich mom, a lot in here also for men, OG, uh, but we'll have a link to uh, the Amazon page where you can find this on our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. Congratulations to Kimberly on another successful book launch. It's always exciting, isn't it? Like with these authors come in here and it's cool to talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I wouldn't know what it's like to have a successful book launch, but <laughs> we have no idea, but that's why we talk to them. Just live through their, through their experiences. Good stuff. I mean, time management, right? I mean, like Kimberly said, time management is so important when you have a family, like it's important when you're single, it's always important, but man, when you're juggling, trying to be a good dad, right? For you and me or a good mom for people listening and trying to juggle a successful career and keeping your financial house in order, you meet with a lot of people, OG, who put those in the wrong order, right? They worry about the job and make good decisions there. They worry about being a parent and, oh yeah, I'm not paying the credit cards on time. Yeah. It's really tough to balance all that stuff and you have to, you have to be okay with help, right? You got to be okay with saying, I'm not going to be great at this, so I need to delegate it. It, it, And and it's not a life sentence either. I think people sometimes feel, well, if I, you know, if I go hire a financial advisor, I got to do that for the next 40 years of my life. You could just have somebody help you with it for the next 15 to get your kids through college, right? you know, and then kind of re-engage. Or maybe you find that you really like that extra time. Hey, let's fire up the Courtesy Hotline. Actually, you know what, OG? Before we do that, we had a Courtesy Hotline call last week that Doug Goldstein helped me answer. But I really want to get your take on this because our caller, Ethan, whose parents have a reverse mortgage. And he was looking for ammunition 
about uh, reverse mortgages and thinking that reverse mortgages might not be that fantastic. He didn't know much about reverse mortgages, but what are your thoughts on reverse mortgage? Doug and I had a good discussion about this on Wednesday last week, but want to get your take. So I can only screw it up from here, basically, is what you're saying. You get the pressures on because I'm not going to tell you what we said. So, yeah. Well, uh, just a quick brief history. They've been around for a little while, but recently have gotten better. Uh, reverse mortgages are laden with fees. And they used to be even more expensive than they are. So you have to think about it from the bank's perspective. They're going to collect a lot more fees up front than, than have it be amortized into the loan because, because it doesn't work the same. Well, I should say it doesn't work exactly the same, but it's very, it was very similar, right? It's going to allow you to either receive a lump sum, kind of like a home equity loan or a line of credit and have a stream of income, but not have to pay that back. So when do you pay it back? You pay it back when you sell the house, when you die and your kids sell the house, you know, they kind of use that all up. It's a way to get equity out of the house without having to take the equity out and now start making a payment again, you know? So are the terms fantastic? No, they're not. This is the last line of defense. They're better than they used to be. And since they're government regulated uh, to a large, large degree, there's not a ton of competition so, you know, what you find at bank A will be very similar to what you find at bank B, you know. I think that they're great for the last line of defense. That's what um, th- th- I think they're terrible yeah. for the first wave. That's what Doug said too is that people go to reverse mortgages too early. Yeah. They, they, yeah, the reverse mortgages, the okay, I'm done with my IRA, I'm done with my non-qualified accounts, you know, now what? Because it's, it's, it's not great. It's not fantastic. You're, you're, you're borrowing money to finance your retirement. You just don't have to pay it back. Your kids are going to pay it back. Right. And you have to think about that. You have to think about like, how fast does the bank call the note? So mom and dad both pass away now and they're 87. Does the bank turn around and say, Hey, uh, caught wind of everybody dying. So, uh, notes due 280,000, um, sometime in the next, uh, you know, 30 days, please. Kids aren't ready to do that. They're not in the financial position to be able to do that. Now they got to sell the house at a fire sale or the bank repossesses it. There's some downsides to that for sure. Thanks, Ethan, for that question. Let's fire up today's courtesy hotline. Why spend time with a crazy insurance agent boring you to tears for hours when in just a few clicks you can find out how much life insurance you need or just click the disability button on the courtesy site and then also check 17 of the top insurers in the land for your best quote. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash courtesy. That's Q-U-O-T-A-C-Y. Hey, today's courtesy hotline call OG comes to us from Jamie. Say hello, Jamie. Hey, Joe and OG. I'm a 26-year-old teacher living in the Northeast, and I've spent the last year or so trying to get my financial life in order. I'm doing as much as I can with uh, things like uh, maxing out a Roth IRA and taking good advantage of my 401k and then uh, saving as much as I can in a taxable account. And I have no debts, and I'm, I'm feeling like I'm in pretty good shape. One of the things I was wondering about, if you could offer some advice, is charitable giving and the tax deductions associated with that. I've tried to do some research online and find some resources uh, towards that end, and I, I haven't been able to find anything. But I'd like to incorporate that into my financial planning at this point. I think it's something that can not only benefit me from a tax perspective, but sort of a way to do some good while also thinking about you know my own finances. So I was wondering if you could uh, offer you know a little crash course on tax deductible charitable, charity donations 
or possibly point me in the right direction for some resources um, that would help me get towards that. Uh, thanks very much for your help and, and for everything you guys do on the podcast. Really love it. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for the kind words, Jamie. Nice job, Jamie, on saving and glad that he's looking ahead to other stuff. And by the way, in the middle of that call, I got to turn my notification off, don't I? <laughs> It's okay. Nobody minds. Maybe you see, everybody thought it was Jamie's text message going off until you just owned it. Ding. Uh, Well, that was just me hitting. That was like the five second bell. Yeah. That's like the debate where they go ding and you've got like 10 seconds to finish up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So charitable things. It's funny. There's two real opposite feelings on charitable giving, right? Uh, A lot of people think charity begins at home, you know, and, uh, and they'll say, Hey, uh, you look at millionaire next door, Dr. Thomas Stanley's work. And you ask a millionaire who their favorite charity is and they say, me. Yeah, I'm really good at taking my own money. But people who are charitably inclined, I happen to give money away. I I only do it to places that I care about. There are some tax benefits, but it's on the itemized side. So if you don't itemize your deductions as it is, yeah, you're not going to really get any tax benefits out of it. Let's explain that for a second, OG, because I think that is the crux of this. He says he has no debt. So I think Jamie's opportunity here isn't what he thinks it is. Yeah, there's Uh, no... You have a standard deduction, which is the amount that everybody gets, which is why people at the very bottom of the pyramid, when it comes to income, the income pyramid I'm talking about, those people don't pay tax because it's all covered through the standard deduction. Unless... You have enough deductions to beat that standard amount, which generally for most people, it's the mortgage on the house that kind of puts you toward that number, or maybe over that number. And mortgage and, and real estate taxes are the two biggest drivers of itemized deductions. The other things that are on there are things like uh, medical spending and charitable giving and job expenses and that sort of thing. But yeah, unless you're giving away a boatload of money and you have no debt, no interest and no real estate taxes you're probably not going to beat the standard deduction, which means you receive zero tax benefit for giving money away. You just have to give it away because you want to give it away. Yeah, give it away, you... give it away, give it away now. Oh. Give it away, give it away. Sorry, I couldn't resist. You were so close. I know. The, the, uh, I almost thought we had the Red Hot Chili Peppers here just for a second. I, I look just like them. Yeah, you get that all the time, right? My cool, my cool tattoo on my wrist. <laughs> when, when he says that he has no debt... Maybe he does have a mortgage. If he does have a mortgage and he's close to that number, maybe he does have enough that he itemizes. There are some opportunities, Jamie, but you still got to be careful because you're going to have to have proof of what you gave away. Talk about that for a second. So anything that you give away north of $250, you need a receipt for. And now if you're doing normal, I'll say normal, but if you're doing you know church envelope contributions, right? 50 bucks a week in your church envelope, probably they're going to send you a statement at the end of the year that says you donated 2,500 bucks to church this year. If you write a whole bunch of $15 checks to March of Dimes or Red Cross or whatever, you're going to have to keep track of that on your own. They'll probably still send you something. If you give away a ton of money, like you write a check for $5,000 for Wounded Warrior Project, they're going to send you a receipt and the IRS is definitely going to want to see a copy of that. I think There's a lot less of this happening now, but it still happens where the IRS does look at what they call lifestyle audits and they'll say, how in the world is this person giving away all this money if they only earn this money? So you want to be really particular about saving all of your notes and all of your canceled checks. I always tell people, don't donate cash, you know, because you can't prove it. Donate with checks. You get a check stub, you know, that sort of thing. 
Or and I think it's awesome. There's some like advanced charitable things, right? If you're, if you've got yes, some right. really, you know, really cool ideas, but uh, that's what I was going to say. When you talk about millionaires, I mean, a lot of millionaires, multimillionaires build charitable giving into their overall strategy. But, yeah. But just like Jamie Dimon, <laughs> they ain't doing it because they really like the charity. They do it because they go, so I get a $400,000 tax break this year on this deal? But they, Sign me up. But they also like the charity in a lot of cases, like working with some yeah, of the charities. No, absolutely. Yeah. yeah the, I mean, yeah. people aren't so you know heartless that they just give money away for to benefit themselves. But that's why it's built that way. That's why the tax code is built that way. It's to because encourage it. Encourage it, it. if you didn't, then you wouldn't give money away, right? So, you know. Right. Good stuff. Thanks for the letter, Jamie. If you've got a note for the courtesy hotline, send those to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. See how easy that was? Fantastic. One other quick thing on charity. You can also give away stuff. You don't have to give away money. You oh, can give away right. stuff. Good. And you can give away your time. So you uh, can drive around and drop off meals, meals on wheels, right? And that the driving for charity is also deductible uh, to some extent. So keep good records. IRS is all about contemporaneous notes. And once again, all of those are subject to being higher than that standard yes, deduction. Absolutely. So, And that depends on your marriage status and yada, yada. Okay. All right. Uh, let's move on to the letter bag. This is this is kind of cool. Uh, you know how we've talked about how we don't have any courtesy hotline calls and we have a ton of mail? I think we got more courtesies now than we have mail. So mailbag is... Letters. Yes. Mailbag uh, letters are, are draining, which is good because I kind of like the courtesy hotline stuff better, you know? Uh, it feels more personal. Yes. First note comes to us from Joe Blow. Nice. Okay. Joe so Blow. He did, so he does exist. <laughs> for the people that everybody thought that was me. Uh, uh, by the way, for people to get our our newsletter at Stacking Benjamins, we send out we send out these these letters and people first sign up. And one was, hey, we have these coloring. You know how the craze is these coloring things that people do? Well, we have one that you fill in these drops of rain as you as you pay down debt. And for a lot of people, that's a, it's funny. I thought it was the dumbest thing ever when I first saw this. And then we get so much positive feedback about it on the website. Kathleen put it together for us. But Joe Blow said, this is awesome. Looks like a sex ed prop. Uh, because of the fact that these little drops of rain, but I think he thought they look like little swimmers, if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, so we get all the we get all the best ones. But and next uh, comes to us from the Twitter feed. My Twitter is Average Joe Money. If you want to send me a note, I thought I'd share this one. OG, this came from our friend Megan, who listens to the show. She says she got her husband to listen to Stacking Benjamins. The husband asked how much we talked about Dave Ramsey, and she said never. Right after that, Kiwa mentioned every episode. It turns out then after after we never mentioned Dave Ramsey at all, we mentioned Dave five episodes in a row. Oh no, really? <laughs> Gross. But you know what we gotta do? Now we gotta mention Dave every show. Just to continue to make sure that Megan's husband knows that she's as untrustworthy as mom says we are, right? <laughs> and that's that's part of the game there. That's that's fantastic. Thanks for that note, Megan. And then uh, from the corrections department, uh, Patrick over in the Stacking Benjamins uh, green room. By the way, if you're not in on our green room discussion, our closed Facebook group, join us over there. StackingBenjamins.com forward slash green room. Uh, scroll down that page and you'll find the link to join our green room Facebook group. But Patrick says, hello, G, Mr. White and Mr. Pink. They were not in usual suspects. They were in reservoir, reservoir dogs. dogs. Yeah. yeah, yeah, reservoir dogs. Yeah. Sorry. 
Yep. And our friend Ken said, uh, Reservoir Dogs is a movie that's not to be missed. I haven't seen Reservoir Dogs yet. I've seen Usual Suspects, but not yes. Reservoir Dogs. Yes. Yeah. yeah, Usual Suspect is the uh, the Kevin Spacey one, right? Yeah, Kaiser Sose. Kaiser Sose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. good stuff. So thanks for the notes, everybody, Sorry. whether it's Facebook. I, 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 when you said it's from the corrections department, I was thinking, oh, boy. No. But that's a different corrections department. I'm okay with being in, in error. About I'm not movie? okay with being in handcuffs. <laughs> yeah, not that corrections Yeah, not that one, luckily. Uh, Your parole has been reversed. Come they, back to prison. Thanks, everybody, for the notes. Uh, send your uh, emails to joe at stuckybenjamins.com. That's it, man. Thanks again to Kimberly Palmer for coming on. Juggling is an important part of life. And uh, Kimberly certainly had some some great tips on that. But let's talk about things other than Kimberly's advice for moms and potentially book. dads here, though. Let's, let's talk about the rest of this. Although, you know, medical debt is something that, like you said, good things happen to bad people. For a lot of people... Just paying attention to your ship and the bottom line can avoid a lot of problems before they start. What's that Sun Tzu? You know, the art of war, the best battle is the one that's never fought. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of things, a lot of these holes people fall in, kind of self-created. I was thinking when you were talking about debt and, and becoming a slave to it or whatever, you said you made some comment. And the thing that flashed in my mind was uh, Richest Man in Babylon. Right. Another good. Oh, that's just, a classic. Just a real wonderful, like classic uh, afternoon read, like an afternoon hammock, like a place that I wish I could go right now, like lay in a hammock and close my eyes and float off to dreamland. You think you want to do that because it might have something to do with kids. I don't know. Call me crazy. I'll think about the richest man in Babylon while I close my eyes. Um, Talked about, uh, you know, Art of War. I would say one of my top five favorite books, War of Art. Oh, that's another good book. Gosh, Stephen Pressfield. It is probably, it is in the top five. It might be in the top three. I got so many lessons out of the Art of War and I've shared it with other people. And for many people, it's too obscure. Like they're like, oh, it's just too yeah. opaque. You know, have you tried to read the Art of War? Yeah, I didn't understand all the symbols. Yeah. <laughs> a, I gave up after having to learn Chinese. I think you might have gotten that in the wrong language. <laughs> oh. Well, yeah. I like to kind of, you know, I like to read things how people wrote them. Another book that squiggly you might- line, squiggly line, teepee. I didn't get it. I like. There's an analogy. Don't there make somewhere. waves in your teepee. <laughs> I didn't. Triangle. You've made waves in your TP before. That is why you now have three kids. Yeah, it's, it is really kind of interesting going. It's, it used to be man-to-man defense, and now we're in zone. We're in zone coverage from here on out. And I was a lot younger when I had my first one. Although I am happy that I have two older ones because they are you know, they're very helpful and they're totally independent. I can totally mail it in from right. here on out to be a parent to those yeah. two. And they'll... You know, I kind of feel like they're off to a good start. I've shown them a couple of videos of boot camp in the Marines. They're not totally excited, but they can see where it's headed. That 530 in the morning reveille, man. 530, brother. I wish it was 530. <laughs>
is more like 11, 2, 5, and 8. Hey, coming up on Wednesday's show, th- this is a scary number. You know, one out of 10 people listening to the show, OG, 10% of America is clinically depressed. That is a, and by the way, I'm not joking, that is a big number People that have issues that are not like a depression that isn't short-term, it's a long-term depression. Abigail Perry from I Pick Up Pennies is one of those people. And she's going to talk about, for those people listening out there that are really suffering with issues, you know, and even if you're somebody that has procrastination, a lot of times people that are clinically depressed go through these things where they just can't move and so uh, she has the art of being frugal for depressives. Uh, that's on that's on Wednesday. Tough topic, but if you're somebody that either suffers from depression or just sometimes feel frozen about your finances, she mm-hmm. knows she knows all about that, and she's going to cover that. So big day Wednesday. Yeah. All right, see everybody back then. Stacking more Benjamins. This show is the property of the Free Financial Advisor LLC. Copyright 2016. The show is created and written by Joe Saul Cihai and edited by the amazing Steve Stewart. Special thanks to Kimberly Palmer for stopping by. You'll find more about Smart Mom, Rich Mom wherever books are sold or on our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. You know, Joe, I really thought doing these credits completely naked would have been a lot more fun than it actually was. So I've got so many France stories, just, just amazing. By the way, if you want to see people blow money, go to Saint Tropez, which is where the richest of the rich people go. And there are, it is just amazing. We're, we're walking down the street and we see this sign on this fence that says Dior, right? The big fashion design people, Dior. And I look inside the gates open. And I look inside this fence and there is a perfectly manicured lawn with these beautiful trees, like perfect. And right up front near the gate where we're standing, you know, in our touristy shirts and shorts, there is a woman who is just dressed to the nine standing behind a podium. And behind her are these perfect tables that are set up around. And there are people clearly in big time designer clothing sitting on this lawn and then across the other side of the lawn is the actual boutique. And for me, it was everything that was wrong about Saint-Tropez. I was like, really? Uh, I, I, I can't describe how ridiculous it was. It was, it, it was, uh, I, I didn't get it. I guess a little, it was a little over the top. 
Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm too middle class. There was nothing about that entire scene. I did not want to get by that woman at the front gate. I didn't want to sit at one of those tables. I didn't want to go in and, you know, even if they had, maybe they have men's clothing. I don't know. I didn't want anything to do with that. Just, I, I totally didn't get it. And at home, when we were in Cannes, walking down the street in Cannes with designer, 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 this was a sad thing. Wherever we went, there were tons of people in these high-end shopping areas, like tons and tons of people. But then you go to the naturally beautiful areas of these places, or you go to the quirky restaurants, you know, that weren't like the C and B scene and pay a ton of money. You'd go to this place that it says on TripAdvisor is a decent place to eat, you know, right. and is, is a fun meal, but for less money, nobody there. Or nobody up at the Citadel that look, overlooks the city and how pretty it is and the whatever. Like you could go to all of these spots that are just gorgeous nature, nobody around. But high-end shopping, looking at some of the people that were there, like there were clearly the people that were very wealthy there. But there were a lot of people that were just shopping for fun. And I don't, I just don't understand that mentality. I, I, I don't like shopping at <laughs> all. So I wouldn't. I'm not, uh, although, although there are some things that really expensive things do look kind of cool. There's like, a, there's an artist that I really totally like. He's a photographer and he has the most just fantastic portraits and they're a bajillion dollars. And I, I would love to drop a crap load of money and buy one of these things. I love great watches. Wow. <laughs> And, and when we would go by some of these watch stores and I would look at the, yeah. oh my, some of these, wow, so cool. Yeah. I, I like to look at them again. That's something that I'd like to own someday, right? Instead of this, you know. But then I always think to myself, I'm like, okay, when I, when am I going to buy, like, I would love to have a super nice tag watch. I would love one. I would just, I would love one. But, but I think out of all the things in my life that I really want. Like that's always like number. F- I will never buy that for myself. Somebody will have to buy that for me. And, and there's no way somebody's going to go buy me a, t- Hey Joe, I bought you, bought you a tag watch. Yeah. You know, it's funny is because I kind of feel the same way, right? There's like, I really want something like that. Yeah. Especially you look at like the women in your life and you see, okay, well they've got, you know, rings and necklaces and bracelets and, you know, earrings and, they, you know, they wear 10, well, that, that's the excessive. They, they wear thousands of dollars worth of jewelry kind of on a regular basis, at least, you know, a lot do. And, and you go, I, you know, I should be able to spend two grand on a watch, you know, but then you go there and you look at it and you go, eh, I can't do it. Can't do it. Yeah. And then my wife was going to buy me something like that. She got a very nice bonus check last year and she was going to do it. And I specifically told her, I said, you know what? No. Just right. We don't need that. So I just have I just have one last story uh, before we go, and I'll tell more stories on Wednesday because I've got fifty of them. But this one, we are walking down the beach in Cannes, and the beach is empty except there's one person coming out of the water, and they have like a wakeboard, and yeah. and so this woman comes out of the water with her wakeboard, and I look over and I go, and, that, and that's it. I go, there's no really, no, wait a minute, it no, and I look back. And I look back again and I went, wow, welcome to Cannes, man. Just a wakeboard. Just a wakeboard. It's just her and her wakeboard. <laughs> there was nothing but her and her wakeboard. And you know how you hear So you kept people? looking. Well, That's you, how I get the point. You looked and then you looked again. You know how you hear from again. people 
they go, yeah, you go to the nude beach and it just, it's not, uh, you know, and I, nothing against nude beaches or for nude beaches, just no commentary there at all. But, but I've heard people say, yeah, people that go to nude beaches, a lot of times there are people that probably shouldn't be at the nude beach. <laughs> this woman was okay at the nude beach. Yeah. <laughs> she, she, well, I got that after you said I was looking and then I looked again and then I looked again and well, then I looked again. Well, here's what's funny was it wasn't the just police were called. It, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't that bad, but, but I did, I did a double take. Cause I look over, I'm like, Oh, somebody coming out of the, what? Uh, w- w- huh? And then I look back and there's one shack next to the road, which is like one of those selling, you know, w- whatever, uh, uh, snacks and stuff. And there's two guys standing at the shack and they're watching. It's, it's my daughter and my wife and I, and they're looking at us and they, and the guys are laughing at us because all three of us are just craning our neck because it was just so shocking. I'm walking down the beach. I'm not expecting the nude beach. And we, oh, huh? What? I'm going there. Sounds awesome. So that was, uh, that was interesting. Never seen a nude beach before. Um, and it, you know, it was only one person. <laughs> but it wasn't like there was a beach full of people. And yet you've already booked your return trip. That's right. I'm there tomorrow and I'll be naked too. Oh boy. Uh, probably not. Yeah. All right. Uh, I got to run. We will see, see everybody uh, back here on Wednesday. Remember on Tuesday, tomorrow, head over to the green room uh, feed for that episode. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.